Well, hey, Bible Love listeners, so glad you're back with us today. I want to start us off in prayer. If you, if you remember, we've been praying through this website called crosswalk.com that has specific prayers for the Psalms. And today is the one um, for Psalm 23, which we're going to talk about in just a minute. So the Lord be with you. And also with you. Most loving Father, when I don't know where to turn or whom to trust, You're there to take care of me. You guide me out of my gloom and fill my soul with renewed hope. You anoint me as your beloved and bestow blessings upon me to show those who stand against me that I am a child of the Most High God. I will abide by your word forever. Amen. So, listeners, today you've got my buddy, the Reverend Jack Alvey, here with us. Jack is the rector of Ascension in Birmingham, and I said this before, but um, Jack and I have something in common that we love both very much. St. Paul's Selma, he was the rector there as, as well as my dad, and now he's at Ascension in Birmingham. And Jack, I'm just so glad you're here with us today. Thanks for having me, Mary Balfour. It's good to reconnect with you and uh, talk about a subject we both love and a psalm that we both love. I'm excited to dig in with you today. Yeah, so I told Jack all these people were coming with all these different psalms, and I was surprised that no one has said that they wanted to talk about Psalm 23, which I think is probably the most famous psalm or the one people know by heart. Um and so, Jack, why do you think people know that one so well um, and request it often at like funerals and stuff like that? What are, what's your take on that? Yeah, that's a good, that's a great question. A good place to, to launch from. You know, I obviously when you asked me, the first thing that came to my head was Psalm 23, but then I immediately dismissed it because it's like, you know, you don't pick the, the, the favorite Psalm. You try to find someone that, that's a little different, but, um, but I'm glad we settled on Psalm 23. And you talk about why do people find it? Why do people pick it for funerals and whatnot? I would love to know the history of the Psalm and how it has positioned itself so prominently in our, in our lectionary, uh, especially at funerals. Uh, that would be an interesting study, but I, I have not done that work. <laughs> so yeah, we neither one off. of us have. <laughs> <laughs> Just going to have to go off of how I, my, my, my feelings about it. I think the, I mean, obviously I think the image of shepherd has been a, a very, very comforting image for for Christians over the generations and probably not just Christians. Uh, obviously it's a theme that runs throughout uh, the New Testament, I mean, even the Old Testament. Uh, it's a theme that we see very prominently with Jesus, especially in John's gospel. Uh, so it's a very comforting image of Jesus. So I think, um, anyway, I need to turn off my notifications. Well, uh, you know, one thing I was thinking about, Jack, is, and I'm sure you've had the pleasure of this as well, is that when people are dying, you know, they know the Lord's Prayer, but they mm-hmm. also know Psalm 23. It's mm-hmm. just like embedded in them. And one of the things I, I wonder if people know this or not. I mean, we have certainly more listeners than just Episcopalians, but 
We don't use very many versions other than, you know, what we know, the New Revised Standard Version, but we do have the King James Version of Psalm 23 in our prayer book because that's the one people seem to, like, know within their hearts, you know. Um, I just kind of went through a season at my parish where I had um, 10 deaths in six weeks. Wow. And it was really tough. And Every single one wanted Psalm 23, every single one, because there's just such comfort in that. I think they were doing it for those that were grieving them. Like, you know, they planned their funerals beforehand, and they knew that this particular psalm would just be of great comfort, and they wanted that. Absolutely. I did a funeral yesterday, and um, we used the King James Version. It doesn't ever... I think I've I've always give the option. Do you want to use the King James version, right? Version and you know nine point nine times out of ten, it's the King James version because it it is such a familiar pattern that we're used to saying. Um, it's it's you know it's like you know using the Coverdale version is like using the contemporary version of the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's it's just a different prayer, and you know we can discuss that. Um, well, I think we should read it just for those. Yeah. And I'm going to read the King James Version one, if that's okay. okay. And then let's talk through each line. So, um, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So, Jack, let's start with that. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Like, what else is there? It's almost like you don't even need another part of it, right? Yeah. God is my shepherd. I need nothing other than God. What's yeah, your I mean, on that? Absolutely. I mean, it, it sets the tone for the whole psalm. It reminds us, you know, who we're dealing with. Uh, a good shepherd um, provides for all of our needs. Um, therefore, we will not be in want. I think it's a Here strong opening line. And, um, and I want to know more. Exactly. And then the next line I love this. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. So you get creation. You get the green pastures and the waters. And those are both for people very calming. You know, there are people that are beach people or mountain people. I'm a mountain person. Jack knows this. Um, but, you know, whatever it is that your heart sings towards, you know, you, you, you know that you have this, that place of creation that God gave us. And, and it's even saying, being said in the psalm. What do you think about that? Absolutely. It's interesting, um, the, the creation bit. I, absolutely. Um, you know, it, looking at the other, one of the other versions in the, the prayer book, it says, he shall feed me in a green pasture and mm. make me lie down in green pastures to feed and rest. I don't really know what the correlation exactly there is, but that is interesting to note. Um, for me, I, you know, I, I hear the creation viewpoint. I also, for me, it, uh, sort of conjures up 
sort of the, I guess, another creation point is the seventh day. On the seventh mm. day, God rested. Uh, that's a part of our rhythm of our life together is a day of Sabbath, a day of rest. He makes us lie down in green pastures. He makes us rest. Uh, and that's a good thing. That's good for our soul. Um, yeah, I can totally see that. And also, can't you vision that green pasture, mm-hmm. like in your head, you know, like this, it's, it's kind of early, but it's, you know, late February and I've been watching my yard and yeah. it is turning from that nasty yellow to that pretty green that we all love. And like, so I can just vision that. And also waters, there's so many different kinds of waters, you know, the beach, the rivers, the lakes, even a rainstorm, you know? And so one of the things I love about this Psalm is I feel like whatever kind of person you are, you can envision yourself in any of these, even if it's a rainy day. There's some people that love to run out in the rain. I'm sure your children do, Jack. Oh yeah. Yeah. On Saturday. I bet they did. All right. Verse three. Let's talk about that a little bit. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So you talked about this a minute ago, that seventh day, that restoreth of my soul. Mm -hmm. But what do you think about he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake? Because some people might not feel righteous all the time. But if we think back on our life, yeah, we certainly had a lot of righteousness. That's a very, you know, old, te- I mean, I mean, obviously it's not, it's not New Testament, but the whole Old Testament, um, sort of thesis statement is, you know, hangs on, uh, you know, I will bless you so that you're a blessing. Uh, it hangs on, uh, what is said in Isaiah, you shall be a light to the nations. Uh, so, you know, we're in this t- time period, you're still dealing with regional gods, mm. right? You know, who's God yeah. is better, basically. And so at this point, you know, the God of Israel, the God of, um, you know, Jacob is still interpreted as a regional God, even though the God and father of all. Um, so, um, so this is the true God. So that our God is leading us in righteous, in passive righteousness for his name's sake. So, mm-hmm. so this is the true God of all, all nations, of all people. And so, how the how the um how the Israelites how the people of God you know walk and um says who their God is people know who God is based on their own way of living and I love that because I think we sometimes can get or at least I can can get really caught up in how does this speak to me and mm-hmm. I forget about the history of yeah. that this has actually been speaking to generations and generations and generations of people, you know, Um, I'm going to move to the fourth verse. My mother-in-law died in October and I've talked about this on the podcast a couple of times, but as she was dying, we had like two days with her in at her home in hospice. And the night she was dying, my sister-in-law was reading scripture to her as she was dying. It was this just beautiful mm-hmm. moment in time. And one of the, of course she read Psalm 23, but I remember feeling such a sense of peace when Leslie said the words, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear, fear no evil because this was, this was not scary. What was happening to my mother-in-law, even though we miss her and we yeah. wish her wish she was here. 
there was nothing to be afraid of because she was going to heaven and she was going to Jesus. And just those words of comfort, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think, are so important. What do you think? Absolutely. Um, I mean, I think about that a lot. Um, Yea, though I walk through the valley valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Um, And I think, you know, that, you know, if there is a, a line to say on the deathbed, that that is definitely the one. And like you said, you've, you've carried that with you in theory for your entire life. And mm-hmm. here you are, you've, you've been preparing your entire life for this moment in, in some sort of way. Um, and this is the verse, which is a revelation of God's presence, um, that, that gets you there. Um, so yeah, I love that. I love that verse. Um, what about think- the rod and the staff? Why do they, why do you think they comfort us? Well, you know, that could be, might be weird. You know, you think about like these, I don't know, this rod and staff. Why do they comfort us? Well, I think, you know, the, in terms of the, um, imagery, it it refers to the word of God. Uh, thy rod and thy staff is God's word. Um, you know, and then on sort of on a practical level, you know, it, it conjures up the images of the bishop's staff or whatever we want to call it. And, you know, you often hear that it has a twofold purpose. Uh, one is to gather the wandering sheep. And then one is to, you know, get someone in line and hit it with the, with the back of the staff. Uh, it's either to comfort or to challenge. And the same is with God's word is to comfort and to challenge. Yeah. Now I know that the next line, I know we're in the old Testament, but I can't help but think about Eucharist when I look, oh, read the next round. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. I can't help but think about being in that altar, at that altar, letting go of whatever frustrations, I wouldn't say enemies, but whatever frustrations of the day, whatever things that are bothering me. I love my monthly healing service. I don't know if you do that, Jack, but that gift of getting to put head, the oil on someone's head and then my cup runneth over. I, it, that just screams Eucharist to me. What about you? Absolutely. Um, and you know, you talk about in the presence of my enemies. I mean, you don't necessarily think about the disciples as enemies, but they are somewhat responsible for sure. uh, the crucifixion. And then you have Judas who, who betrays Jesus. You have Peter who denies Jesus and, um, you know, the absolutely, uh, an image of, of the, um, of the Eucharistic table of the, the last supper and people, you know, I can't remember who said this more generally about the Psalms, but it might've been Frederick Beekner, but talked about how, or think about the Psalms as Jesus praying. Mm. <laughs> this is, this is all of this is Jesus praying. Um, I mean, these are the words Jesus would have had too. Yeah. Yeah, right? And it's the prayer book of the, you know, the Hebrew of the Hebrew people, um, or the hymnal, however you mm-hmm. want to frame that. Um, mm-hmm. but absolutely. Um, thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. It's, it's just, um, you know, you're, you know, juxtapose that to the, to the lesson or to the verse right before, you know, you're in the valley of the shadow of death, but your cup is running over. Um, you were, uh, just what, a, what, word of what words of comfort in a time of such barrenness really right uh, it is yeah well one of the things i really like about this psalm and i think so many of the psalms has this but this this 
you feel all emotions in us, right? So you're talking about death, you're talking about life, you're talking about Eucharist, you're talking about, you know, Jesus's prayers. I mean, the mountaintops, the valleys, I mean, that's why I always feel like the Psalms are just so good for us as human beings, like in our everyday life to be a part of. We've talked about a couple of times on the podcast morning prayer, um, devotions for individuals and families, even our services on Sunday, every, almost every one of them has one of the Psalms in it. Every one. I mean, and there's, there's a reason behind that because it feels like the Psalms are for the people. Not that the whole Bible's not, but you know, it it just feels like it's a place that you can go to whatever the emotion is. Absolutely. Do you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's, um, it gives you, it gives you, it gives poetry to your, our mundane prayers. <laughs> you know, it, it makes poetry out of prayers that might not sound very sensible. And you're like, Oh yeah, that's, that's what I meant. That's actually what I feel. And then, you know, you know, not that your own uh raw material isn't good enough. Of course, that's where we start. That's where we all start with these Psalms. You know, you join in those same prayers that people have said for generations before. And um, they, they're no longer just your prayers, but they're our prayers, the prayers of the, of the people. Yeah. And when you don't have the words, which sometimes yeah. I don't, you know, I don't have the words. I mean, it is a joy to be a priest. And I know that Jack would say the same thing, but we see some really hard stuff. Sometimes we've experienced hard stuff in our own yeah. lives. And sometimes I, I don't know. I don't have the words and the Psalms are Absolutely. like, so, you know, we, people forget we're not counselors. No. We're not accountants. We're no. not building maintenance. People like we only know what we know, you know? Well, um, so remind- the Psalms is a place of, of great comfort for me when I don't know what to say to help someone. I remember one of my first experiences in the hospital room with someone who was dying was during CPE clinical mm-hmm. pastoral education. So I was like 21 or 20. I was like, I don't you were know. young. You were a baby Jack no when you went doing. to seminary. And so the woman asked if I could read some scripture and I said, sure. And so I looked up the lectionary lesson for the day. Oh gosh. It, it was, was probably like about divorce or something. Oh, close. It was, it was about <laughs> circumcision and from Galatians. And I was just like, what in the world am I doing? And she looked at me and she said, how about you pick one of those Psalms? <laughs> so Good. She's I, smart. She was a smart lady. I was like, which one? She was like, Psalm 23, Psalm 51, you know, you know, all these, you know, popular Psalms that, you know, I was like, okay. So she taught me <laughs> how to be a good pastor. Isn't, isn't that how it always yeah, is? Absolutely. You know, I always, um, Jack will know because this um, church is in the diocese he serves. But my first church out of seminary, St. Michael's Fayette. Oh, they taught me. They oh. taught me everything I know. Yeah, yeah. Them and Polk Van Zandt um, have taught me everything I know. Speaking Absolutely. of Polk, I have to bring that up in a minute. Something okay. I said on the last podcast, he told me I needed to follow up on. Okay. Um, but, okay, so we got the the last line here of Psalm 23 is the one that is just so full of comfort. Surely goodness and mercy shall, shall shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So this is the one that you see like needle pointed on pillows and all over everybody's houses. And people make fun of that. But like literally, like if we could read one piece of scripture every day, I feel like yeah. this is the one, the one line every day surely goodness and mercy. That's what we want. We want God's goodness and mercy. She'll follow me all the days of my life, but especially today and then again tomorrow. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
I mean, Jack, you know, I know it's our job to show up on Sunday mornings and preach and lead the services. But now that I do that every Sunday, like I, I can't imagine not being in the dwell in the house of the Lord in the place with those people that mm-hmm. I get to do life yeah. with, you know, yeah. like that's where I want to be. Absolutely. But yeah, it's a beautiful, I, you know, the goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. I, I, you know, I, not that I didn't know it was there, but I use that all the time when I'm praying, especially, you know, on the occasion of someone's birthday, you know, give thanks for their life and may God's mercy and goodness or goodness and mercy follow them all the days of their life. That's just, uh, you know, it, you know, a lot of times they say, or not a lot of times, but it has been said that Psalms are supposed to, um, there's a lot of, uh, I guess, rhyming in terms of, uh, I don't, y'all might've talked about this, but like one line, and the next line rhyme right. by, through synonyms, I guess. Yes. We haven't really talked about that, but yes, I do know what you mean. Yeah. So it's just a different way of saying the same thing. Exactly. All right. And so I, Jack, you're the perfect person for to do this with because you okay. both, you know, daddy well. So okay. on the last podcast, um, we, and you might know the answer to this. I have not done my homework, but my dad okay. told me what I could do to figure this out. Okay. You know, when you're doing morning prayer, you uh-huh. say before the psalm, glory to the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then you say that again mm-hmm. after the psalm, glory to the Father and to the Holy Spirit. And I, Alan and I both did not know why we do that. Um, yeah. And so I was like, okay, Dad, on the last podcast, I called him out. So he called me the next day and he was like, well, since you called me out, I'm following up. And this is what he said. He said, uh-huh. I don't know the answer. But I know that I have given you a book that Marion Hatchett wrote about the Book of Common Prayer. And I know the answer is in there. So I have not looked it up yet, but the answer is there. And I promised my dad that I would do that. Do you know the answer? And if you don't, Uh, it's okay, because I don't know the answer. I'm vague. I know I don't know the the final answer. I'm I'm vaguely familiar with how that, that the glory to the Father and to the Son, that has uh, slowly decreased over time mm-hmm. to be like required like 11 times throughout the service. Right. And I finally got it down to like two, either one mm-hmm. optional. Yeah. Thing. <laughs> you know, that's that I don't, but I don't know why it started out the way. But it I assume it's, it, my assumption is that we're inviting the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit into our prayers and also glorifying them. I mean, that's that's what the words are, you know, but the history of why it happened, we have not gotten to the bottom of, but well, we will. That, this, don't, don't take this to the bank, but one of the things that's sort of coming to mind is that, you know, especially during the medieval times when the when the service was only said in Latin, they didn't really know Latin a lot. Right. And so this might have been like the only verse they knew. They knew. And that so makes a lot of anytime sense. Anytime there was a significant change in the service, they would just put that line in there. And so the people would have an understanding of transition. Again, that is nothing. Jack, that makes a lot of sense. Listen, Dad, Jack got to the bottom of it. No, no I, I will, I will go look up, right up Marion Hatchett's Book of Common Prayer Commentary. Yeah. And I will come back with the answer, but I'm glad we talked about it. Now I'm going to have to go find it. I know. Now, Jack, any parting words for Psalm 23? I'm so glad we got to talk about it. Yeah, One of my too. favorite Psalms. There's so much to unpack and I know. the surface. But, you know, it's reminded, I was reminded of a book that I was given by a member of St. Paul's, uh, 
uh, Melissa Shupshrine. Uh, she gave me a book called A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. Oh, good. We will link it. Small what's the book. author's, what's the author's name? Uh, Philip Keller. Okay. Shepherd. And so he sort of helps us grounded in like sort of the practical life of a shepherd and why that would have been, you know, significant. Like the green pastures part, I just remembered that in that particular part of the world, a lot of it was barren. And so to find a green, green pasture, pasture. Oh, interesting. It's not like, you know, in, you know, Alabama where there's grass everywhere, yeah. you know, you have to find patches of grass. So anyway, it really helps you sort of, you know, help you understand it on a literal level. So you can go more deep. You can go deep, more deep on a spiritual. Yeah. I love that. We'll link that for sure. Well, Jack, you're awesome. Thank you for doing some surface lesson talking with me. Um, But that's what we want to give the people just a chance to go and look and read and see how the Psalms um, reflect to you. And I appreciate you being there and listeners as always remember that we love you, but most importantly, God does.